0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW avoid. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short, but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word "biche," meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. Good to have you with me, I'm James as always taking you through this edition and today we're looking ahead to the England against the West Indies Test Match Series. Three-match series starting on Wednesday the 8th of July. The first Test Match at the Aegeus Bowl in Southampton and then they go up to Manchester to play Test Matches two and three at Old Trafford. England have named their squad we'll go through that uh, in just a few seconds time. Ben Stokes will captain in that first Test Match to become the 81st Test captain for England and uh, plenty of betting markets as well. There's a slight betting angle to this Cricket Badger podcast. You can enjoy this podcast if you're just looking forward to the Test Series. If you fancy your bet, then we're going to put a few little interesting bets as well for you as we go through this Cricket Badger podcast as I'm joined by Graham Harcastle, the award-winning cricket journalist, he's coming on and we're going to have a little bit of competition as we go through the test series, put up some little bets as we go through and we'll just monitor those and then I'll beat him and we'll find that out in in two or three weeks' time. We'll hear from Graeme in just a second. Thank you very much to TV Sports Blog for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Give their website a listen and give them a follow as well on Twitter at TV Sports Blog. Plenty of good sporting content that they provide as well. But without further ado, let's have a look ahead to the uh, men in maroon. They've landed in this country, they've played their warm-up games, so have England, and we're finally going to get live sport back. I'm joined on this podcast by Graham Harcastle as we look ahead to England against the West Indies on the Cricket Badger podcast.
0: It's that badger style.
1: Graham Harcastle, it's a pleasure to welcome you back to the Cricket Badger Podcast. You've been on a few times before. I think, in fact, you were one of the first guests, if not the first guest, that I ever had on.
0: Yeah, started things with the bang.
1: England against the West Indies, though, mate, it's always an exciting test series to look ahead to. I date back a, a little bit longer than you, and I, can, I kind of grew up watching the, the late 70s, mid-80s, etc., with the West Indies coming over with Viv Richards and Clive Lloyd, Malcolm Marshall, Michael Holding, etc., this West Indies side isn't quite of that vintage. You would struggle; any side would struggle to actually replicate that era that they had. But it's always a good summer, isn't it, when the West Indies come across?
0: Yeah, they play they play their cricket in an exciting way, don't they? You know, there's never a dull moment, almost, with with the way that they play. Some exciting bowlers some quicks, some batsmen who, who play the shots. Yeah, they're, they're a good side to watch and, and almost every, everybody's second favourite team,
1: aren't they really? Yeah, I think, I mean, I remember interviewing Desmond Haynes out in Barbados, bit of a name drop there early on in the podcast. He, he was a little bit frustrated with the kind of, I think he almost saw it as patronising that, uh, People in England and the rest of the world would, would say, oh, we want to get a strong West Indies back, as if uh, that, that was going to solve the world's problems almost. But we do want to see a strong West Indies back because when the West Indies are playing good cricket, they're a, a fantastic side to watch, aren't they? And it, it's, there's nothing patronising that, about that at all. I mean, I, I think a lot of the issues with some of the, the former West Indies players are very political. West Indies look as if they are coming back. They look as if they've got a little bit of that politics behind the scenes sorted out now. They look as if they're back on track to become a, a much stronger side than they have been of late.
0: It's, it's a very strange one, isn't it, the West Indies? Because uh, you say it seems as though the politics have been sorted out a little bit. I, I go a little bit against that and disagree with you there. On the, the situation we saw last week with one of their island chairmen, I think it was, was it the chairman of the, the Barbados Cricket Association, calling for Phil Simmons' head or or something along along those lines because he... He'd broken the team bubble to go to a, a family funeral in England. You know, I mean, that kind of stuff is just ridiculous. And it's a you never feel that they're a million miles away from another another kind of crisis. But as things stand, generally speaking, they do seem to be on a, a more conventional and solid footing. And with the ability to kind of test some of the bigger nations in world cricket at the moment, be it England, Australia, India... Teams like that and, and hopefully hopefully they come and, and provide competitive opposition and continue a, a trend that we've seen between these two sides particularly over the last three series I think the last three series have, have kind of either been been drawn or been settled by just a solitary test.
1: England and named their squad. Ben Stokes is captaining the uh, first test side. As we said, Joe Root just missing out because of the arrival and um, hopefully safe arrival and good luck and uh, best wishes to Rooty and his family for that, for the first test. But he should come back into the second test match side as captain. But Ben Stokes, James Anderson, Geoff Archer, Dom Best, Stuart Broad, Rory Burns, Josh Butler, Zach Crawley, Joe Denley, Ollie Pope, Dom Sibley, Chris Wokes and Mark Wood make up that first test match squad. There's also a list of reserves... Obviously, with the COVID thing, they're keeping everybody uh, in in the bio bubble. James Bracey, you impressed in the uh, in the warm-up game. Sam current Ben Foulkes, Dan Lawrence, Jack Leach, Saki Mahmood, Craig Overton, Ollie Robinson and Ollie Stone of the reserves. And obviously, Joe Root uh, loitering around, waiting to come back in again as well. There aren't too many surprises in that squad, Graham, but obviously the two big names that are missing, Moen Ali and Johnny Bairstow, they all feel a little bit aggrieved, were not they? Probably Johnny Bairstow more than Moen Ali.
0: Yeah, such a strong pool of players that England have got to have got to call upon it means that any kind of small slip and you are you are under the cosh for your place as as a Johnny besto for example has found out I mean he's, he's a quality quality player isn't he you know we we all know what he's done for Yorkshire having' seen more of him there than than for England he, he's spoken recently about his confidence in his glove work improving but He's not even the second choice or even third choice keeper, in a sense, because James Bracey can take the gloves, can't he? And, and they've also got Ben Fokes as a backup. So that just shows what kind of depth that England have got. And, and that extends to all departments. As you say, Moeen Ali, he's, he's now behind um, Don Bess and, and Jack Leach. Matthew Parkinson's there for a spins place as well. You know, there's, there's plenty of competition.
1: Johnny Burstow, I mean, you, you've watched him a lot. You cover Yorkshire. I've seen him a lot down the years as well. Which is the real Johnny Burstow? The, the one that ruled world cricket for about two years and had a had some sublime innings. We've seen him at Yorkshire knocking the leather all over the place. Or is it the one that we've seen over the last 18 months, two years, that's had quite a disappointing time, who's averaged uh, around about 20 with the bat and hasn't really stood up to uh, test match cricket? You know, ultimately he gets selected by scoring runs and he hasn't really done that in the Test match team, has he? Of late, anyway.
0: No, but he he also hasn't had a settled position, has he? He has a settled role of, be it taking the gloves and uh, and batting at, at seven. They've, they've taken the gloves away from him and batted him at three. You know, he's, he's up and down that kind of batting order and, you know, it's so much. It's It, it must be quite hard for him. And also, knowing him, is desperate to, to have the gloves as well, and that may have had an impact on him mentally as well, you know, you're almost putting a bit more pressure on him to score runs by taking away the opportunity to, to thrive with the gloves and to shine there, so I think that's had an impact he just needs a little bit of love almost um, we, we, all that, Brad, we? The, we all need that don't we? We all need that Well of course, yeah the, but the, the real the real Johnny is the is the top quality Swashbuckling keeper batsman who comes in at six and seven. That that's where I would have him in in my Test match team.
1: Obviously, Josh Butler's in the side. There's a, a few of the England World Cup winners in there. We saw, I think, after the World Cup, there's a few, not just Johnny Bairstow, but a few who had very much concentrated on white ball cricket and had a little bit of a hangover from the World Cup success and that that amazing summer. Now that we've had a COVID interruption and they've all had some time with their families, they've been able to put their feet up, they've been able to think about a lot of other things apart from just cricket. Do you think that hangover will have gone now and they'll just be hungry to get back into the action and they can reset and just go again?
0: I, I think there's a potential for, for rustiness in that first couple of days later this week. But I think everybody should be itching to get going, won't they, and and desperate to, to just play cricket. And I, and I think the the assessment of quality should just be you should just have that in mind that, that rustiness is a is a very real possibility
1: the cricket badger podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com excellent sporting content it's well worth a look and give them a follow on twitter at @tvsportsblog well, we're going to have on this Cricket Badger podcast three editions ahead of each of the test matches. This first one is very much looking ahead to the series in its entirety, but we're going to have a little bit of a competition between myself and yourself, Graham Hardcastle. We're going to have uh, mythical units to stick on various betting markets ahead of the series and ahead of each of the test matches. We'll keep tally on how we get on, and then at the end of it, as I said, I'll win. So we'll get on with the uh, the first of the betting markets that we're going to have a look at today. The England Top Series batsmen. Now, these are liable to change, obviously, because there's still a, a couple of days before the test match starts at the time of recording. But Rory Burns heads the market uh, alongside Ben Stokes at 4-1. Dom Sibley is just a little bit bigger at uh, fours or fives. Oni Pope is in there around about the same price. Joe Denley, eight to one. Zach Crawley is in there around about eight to one. And Joe Root is in there about eight to one as well. The rest are obviously bigger. Josh Butler is in their 12s. In fact, as high as 16s with a couple of bookmakers as well. So we'll start with you. We'll alternate on the on these picks. 10 units that you have to wager on this England batting market. Where are you going to stick your 10?
0: I like Joe Denley in this market I, for, the, for the England leading run scorer. He's a decent price at 8-1. to one. He's been consistent without being exceptional. And I think he is due for a a kind of next leap to that big score in a sense. Let's face it, if he doesn't over the next few weeks, then he's then he's under pressure for his players because of the the competition that I was I was speaking about that and 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 that competition that that we were saying about the the wicket keeping and the spin the spin bowling department also extends to the, the seam bowling department and the batting unit as well. So, so he's going to be he's going to be absolutely desperate for a big series, and and I just fancy that that, that might come. So, in a shortened series, all it takes is a is it, a big score of a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty, and then another couple of contributions of seventy and eighty, and uh, and what have you, and he'll be right there in the thick of uh, in the thick of that market. So, I, I I quite fancy Joe Denley.
1: I I find Joe Denley a, a frustrating beastie. Um, I look at him, I I watch him interviewed. I've never met Joe, but the he comes across as a, a really good bloke. Somebody quite down to earth, somebody that really appreciates the chance he's had towards the, the back end of his career, really, to come into this England side. But I find him quite frustrating. He's 34 now, and in 14 test matches, he averages 30. And that's pretty much because he scored 30 every single time he's gone out. He's crying out for a big score. His highest score of ninety four last summer. But how long can England persist with somebody who is thirty four, who is yet to score a Test match century after fourteen Test matches? Six fifties, shown a lot of determination. When he's in full flow, he looks a million dollars, but then he gets himself out, and that's the frustration, isn't it?
0: How long can they persist? Not not too much longer is the answer, because you know I, I also quite like the Zach Crawley angle in this market. He wouldn't be a a million miles away from my thinking. And it may, it may even be a kind of shootout between the two Kent men for for who drops out when Joe Root returns. So, so there's, no, there's no definite guarantees that, that either of the, the two names that I've mentioned will play all of the series. But I just fancy that Denley may well come in for a, um, a little bit of jump in that average, in a sense, and, uh, and come up with a big score somewhere. You know, it's a cracking batting track and uh, at the Aegeus Bowl and there should be no better time really for him.
1: When, when Joe Root comes back into that side, and he, and he obviously will do, as, as you say, it, it probably seems to be that Zach Crawley or Joe Denley are the, the favourites to, to step aside to let the captain back in. It would be the easy decision, wouldn't it, to take Zach Crawley to one side and said, look, you've got a whole career ahead of you. you you'll, you'll get another chance, rather than drop Joe Denley. Because if you drop Joe Denley, that's the end of his career. But for me, this is a time to back the youngster, not to back the 34-year-old.
0: I don't disagree with that. There is absolutely no doubt that Zach Crawley has kind of more life in him than Joe Denley does. Um, but just, just at the moment, I, I like. I like the fact that Denley has been consistent. He, he's looked good in, in, the, in the innings that he's played before getting out. Also, a little bit of, of kind of law of averages. is due, due for a big score. But that, that's, and, that's, and that's like
1: saying that the, the star striker who hasn't scored for 21 games, well, it's worth backing him because he's too good not to score again. Well, but sometimes,
0: sometimes you have a bit of a hunch, don't you? You know, there's no, yeah, you can look at statistics all you want when you're going on gambling and, and that, that should play a, a big part in it. But well, I, I guess as well, if, if that was the case, if, if it was statistics alone that you were looking at, a kind of non favourite would never, ever win. You know, in, in, in that sense, there's always got to be some kind of room for, for you to think, well, I fancy this to happen this week, or, you know, I quite fancy Leeds United to, to beat Manchester United. I mean, you know, 18 times out of 20, it won't happen, will it? But. Um, <laughs> Just, just every now and again, it will.
1: Anyway, moving on to my England batting tip. I'm going to split my stakes, Graham, in this one. I've got 10 units. I'm going to put five on, on two men in the batting lineup. The first one is the aforementioned Joe Root, England captain, 92 test matches to his name, nearly 8,000 runs now, and an average just shy of 50. He is, to me, the pedigree batsman in this England side. Ahead of a normal series, he would always be my tip because he's the best player, and all the stats... My own eyesight bears testament to that, but obviously with the fact that he's missing the first Test match that makes it a little bit of a, a kind of a, a slightly dodgy bet because there's a little bit of a risk. You're basically asking Joe Root to score more runs in two Test matches than each of the rest of his colleagues in three, but he's good enough to do that, and he's certainly good enough to get in and go big. And as you said, you probably only need to get one big hundred and you're more than in contention. And Root could do that in, in Test Matches 2 or 3 at Old Trafford. He's got a good record at Old Trafford as well, Joe Root. So he's going to take five of my units at 8-1 to one for Joe Root. And my other pick is Ollie Pope, um, the Surrey middle-order player. I really like Ollie Pope. Everybody talks about the similarities in the way he bats to Ian Bell. I, I think, and this isn't in any way discrediting Ian Bell, I actually think Ollie Pope is going to be better longer term than Ian Bell. I think he's going to be a, a world megastar. I, I just love watching him play. It's a very simple but very effective and it's beautiful to watch. And he's averaging nearly 60 in first-class cricket. He's had a good start to his test career. Despite the fact that he comes in at number six, that can be in in his favour or it, it might play against him depending on the, the match situation. But I just think Ollie Pope's a, a wonderful little player and I, I can't wait to watch him over the next decade scoring millions and millions of runs for, for England. So Ollie Pope will be my second pick. He's five to one in the market. So he takes five of my units and Joe takes the other five. So that's the, that's the first one. Um, out of the way. Let's let's move across to the other dressing room. England against the West Indies. The Caribbean men coming over. And if there's any any real criticism or any real weakness in the West Indies side, I'd suggest it is in their batting rather than in their bowling, particularly in England conditions where the ball might move around. You've got some very good exponents of swing bowling in the England team, and that might be where the West Indies struggle. Going down the market at the moment as it stands, Che Hope is the favorite ahead of this test series to score the most runs for the for the West Indies. He's around about 9 to 4 to uh, land that market. Craig Brathwaite is 7 to 2. Shamra Brooks is around about 11 to 2. Roston Chase is a 5 to 1, 13 to 2 shot John Campbell is in the market at around about 7 to 1. Jermaine Blackwood is uh, 10 to 1 and then you've got everybody else 12 to 1 or bigger. I'm going to go with Shamrod Brooks here. I can understand why people would look at Shea Hope. I can understand why Brathwaite. I can understand why Boston Chase interests people in this market. But Shamrod Brooks is a player who will probably come in at number three in the West Indies batting lineup. I like him. He's quite an elegant looking player. He's nice, easy on the eye. So there's a little bit of me hoping that he does well so I can watch him for a little bit. But he's also got a little bit of determination in there. He's not one of the kind of West Indian batsmen who gets frustrated and hits out. He will get his head down and that's what West Indies might need against England at number three so I think there's a decent um, value on him at 11 to 2 to to land that market Shamra Brooks you look at Shea Hope obviously scored two centuries against England at Headingley wasn't it 147 118 not out so he's obviously he's obviously a player and probably on paper the the best player that the West Indies have got Craig Brathwaite is also a very good player Roston Chase Underperformed last time they were in England. He only averaged thirteen point three three, but he's he's better than that. But I just think it's a very open market this one, and Shamar Brooks has got a real chance there. I'm taking him at eleven to two, Graham.
0: I'm hoping in this market, I I, I fancy shy hope um, on on the basis that he's he's got proven pedigree, as you say, he's he's probably West Indies best batsman. Craig Brathwaite will will maybe have something to say about that. He's got form in England. Good memories. He will have the bit between his teeth to improve a, a recent poorish run of form. I, I just fancy fancy him to to lead that market. I think he will he will come good.
1: The thing that makes this market interesting is if you look over well since August 2017, Shai Hope has averaged 28.51 in Test cricket. Craig Brathwaite has averaged 25.33. Roston Chase has averaged 25.94. Shamra Brooks my pick has averaged only a little bit more than that so they're they're a team that have got players that can go big but generally speaking they're very very inconsistent this West Indies batting lineup and obviously we're going to come to the series markets a bit later but there is potential for this West Indies batting lineup to get blown away one day for 50 or 60 by England if the conditions are against them isn't it?
0: Oh yeah you know and and it's it's not completely beyond the realms of possibility for the England batting line to get blown away. We've, we've seen that happen, you know, in, in the not-too-distant past.
1: I, I wiped that so, from my memory, mate.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you can, if that happens to England, then, then you come in and your Ollie Pope kind of situation looks very good, doesn't it? I, ben Stokes would perhaps come into the, the, the reckoning as a, as a possibility there. I just think that if England have a really, really strong Strong start, then then Stokes and Pope may, may well be may well be out of the running. I mean, I, I, I digress a I bit. realize we're talking about the West Indies, but the West Indies. I, I just think that Hope will have the, the good memories, as I've said. Uh, he's the best player. He, he, he's better than, than his recent run of form suggests. I think he can he can kind of take that step up and, and lead the um, lead the batting line. The other possibility for for the West Indies got going back. Alongside hope is that going back to, to what we were saying about teams getting blown away, it brings in people who back down the order, likes of your, your Jason Holders, your, your Racking Cornwalls, people like that. And, and if you look back at the, the last time that the West Indies and England played each other in the Caribbean a couple of years ago, the West Indies won that series 2 1. Shane Dowrich, their wicket keeper, had a fantastic. Kind of run of form, didn't he? Um, and, and really, kind of lit up that series with a with a big hundred. Was it? A, was it at Barbados?
1: Was it Barbados so, where he partnered? So he, uh, he partnered Jason Holder when Holder scored a double ton, didn't yeah,
0: he? Yeah, he he could be a, a a possibility. I'm going to have a little dabble on him with um, with, with for in a sense.
1: So, you're putting three on Shane Dowrich. You can get him um, around about 12 to 1 with some bookmakers, which I think is a, a decent price. Your other seven going on Shai Hope, who, as I say, is around about 11 to 4. And my pick, all my 10 are going to go on Shamar Brooks, who is at 11 to 2 with a couple of bookmakers out there. That <laughs> up of collecting your team's matchday subs? Worried about carrying cash post COVID 19? Try slateapp.co.uk. Less contact than contactless. Slate, the smartest way to collect weekly match fees and more. Download the app, slateapp.co.uk. Not just for cricket, any clubs that collect subs. It just makes sense. Stick it on the slate. slateapp.co.uk. Let's move on then to uh, the next market, and that's the England bowlers. And Jimmy Anderson leads this market. England's, well, I was going to say greatest bowler of all time. Well, certainly in, in terms of stats... The leading wicket taker of all time in Test match cricket, Jimmy Anderson, he's a nine to four shot with some bookmakers ahead of this series to take the most wickets. You've got Jofra Archer at hundred to thirty. Stuart Broad, who has played fifty one consecutive home Test matches, Stuart Broad, he's seven to two. We need three more Test matches, by the way. This is just a bit of an aside as I go through this market. He's three more Test matches to equal Jacques Callis, who has got fifty four consecutive home Test matches for the South Africans. Um, if there is some squad rotation, he might not get there, but. Stuart Stuart Broad, that's some effort to have, have even have fifty one um, on uh, next to his name um, in terms of consecutive home test matches. Mark, well, ninety two in the market. Chris Wokes is six to one, seven to one ish. Um, Don Best, the spinner, is seven to one. Ben Stokes is in there at, as big as eight to one to uh, get the most wickets. And then there's a a load of other bowlers who are probably slightly peripheral to the series that are a little bit bigger than that. Graham, you're a, a Lancastrian. Does Jimmy Anderson. I mean, he's obviously a fantastic bowler. Conditions might suit him. Is he nailed on to win this one? Or or are we looking further down that list?
0: No, he's not nailed on at all. I mean, you know, he's got a very, very very good chance. Of course he has. It it would not surprise me one bit to see him as leading wicket-taker. But there is plenty of quality in that England bowling unit. I am I'm, I'm gonna split here. I'm gonna go six and four, six on Joffrey Archer, on the basis that he will be right up for this series against the island nations of his birth, if that's the the right phraseology to use. He's got some mates in that West Indies setup who will be desperate to perform against. He will be fit and firing, you know, after the the COVID break, he, he's had time to put his feet up so he should be ready and raring to go on that regard and he, he bowls a lot of overs doesn't he or he certainly has done it in, in, in the early stages of his test career so I can see him having a really really good time of things and then the four go on Don Bet on the basis that he should bowl a lot of overs, shouldn't be rotated too much and has a chance with two venues that that take turn, should have a chance of, of kind of spinning England to victory in the, in the second innings of of matches and he, he could he could end up with a few wickets on that base.
1: Your picks are very similar to mine but I've just put them the other way round and for exactly the same reasons as you said I think Don Best could be a real potent threat and should play all three test matches as opposed to a few of the seamers in this uh, England market probably will play a maximum of two as they rotate the squad. But Joffre Archer, as you say, I mean, he's been probably been, been over-bowled, if anything, for England in the past. But he couldn't have had a bigger rest than he's had. I've seen a, a load of clips and a, and some footage of him preparing for the resumption. And he's looked keen, eager and hungry. And as you say, he should do against the West Indies, his his Caribbean nation. We all know that he's a, a fantastic bowler, capable of coming on and taking a lot of quick wickets if, uh, if the conditions suit him. So Joffre Archer, for me is my secondary pick. I'm going to put two units on Jofra Archer at 100-30 and my remaining eight go on Don Best because I think he's going to... I love him as a player. I think he's got a, a big future for England. He seems to have got the right head on his shoulders as well. I, I interviewed him a couple of times in the past, once out in Barbados when he was on a, on an MCC tour and he playing the Champion County game and England did this uh, little exercise with the, uh, the the players that they had out of there and they took them in and they did kind of like a Dragon's Den thing. Their presentation had to be, why should you be in England's World Cup squad for the 2019 World Cup, so the World Cup last year? I think a lot of them went in there and bigged themselves up and gave a, you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm that and I'm the other. And Don Bess apparently walked into that uh, Dragon's Den thing with uh, Andrew Strauss at the time and, and the other selectors and said, you shouldn't pick me for it. I've not played enough white ball cricket, but you should pick me for 2023 because I will have played white ball cricket by then. I will learn the game and I will be part of that squad. And they really liked that answer because he wasn't trying to pretend he was something he wasn't. And I think he's a very, very much a thinking cricketer, Don Best, Somebody who's got a good head on his shoulders, got the skills... I think he should have a very good summer for England this summer and that's why eight of my units at seven to one gone Don Best to be England's leading wicket taker
0: there's a lot been spoken about kind of being grateful for what you've lost hasn't there and grateful for what, what you've got in a sense with this coronavirus stuff you know you appreciate things more on the back of it it's a little bit the same with Beth throughout his career really He's had things very different to, to quite a few people, hasn't he? He's played Test cricket, and then the week later, he's been playing Somerset setting the eleven cricket uh, and things like that. So he really will really appreciate the chance he's been given at the moment. You know, it started in, in South Africa, didn't it? And, and he kind of grasped that opportunity and has, has maintained his, his position rightfully as uh, as kind of England's number one spinner so so he certainly won't want to give that up and I think he will be he will be as driven as ever to perform
1: I don't think there was any coincidence that he made his test debut for England a matter of months, about four months after he'd given that Dragon's Den presentation to the England selectors. Uh, you know, a lot of the selection for England, and quite rightly it goes on the stats and the runs and the wickets etc, but it's also about what they see in people's personalities and what, what they read as being between uh, players' ears and I think Bess has got uh, as I say, a big future and a good head on his shoulders in terms of that. So, in terms of our, our bets then, Joffre Archer 100-30 Best 7-1 to in those England bowling markets let's move on to the West Indies Bowling markets, and this is where you know I, I discredited their batting a little bit. I think it might be, it might prove to be a little bit fragile in English conditions. But if you look at their bowling attack, far from it, really. Kima Roach is the, the favourite in the market two to one. Jason Holder is in there at four to one. Their skipper Shannon Gabriel is there at uh, around about threes or hundred to thirty. Alzari Joseph is then there at 9-2. Raheem Cornwall with his spin thirteen to two. Raymond Reifer is in there at ten to one, and the rest are bigger. My turn, isn't it, to go first on this and I think I'm torn between two of this list I mean obviously you can make a case for any of these guys because they're all quality and on their day they can all take wickets but I like Jason Holder the captain I think a lot of this series might come down to Ben Stokes against uh, Jason Holder. You look at Stokes and Holder, Holder's the current number one Test match all-rounder. Ben Stokes is currently the number two Test match all-rounder. Stokes probably shades in with the bat. Um, Stokes has got 4,000 runs in Test cricket. Holder's nearing 2,000 runs. But in terms of their wickets, an average... Holder just probably has the edge 106 wickets at 26.37 whereas Stokes has 147 at uh, 32 and Jason Holder always bowls very economically and sometimes uses himself as a bit of a stock bowler and they might need that the West Indies so I quite like him in this market. So I'm going to split my stakes though I'm going to put six of my units on Jason Holder their captain and four of my units go on big Rakeem, Rakeem Cornwall. Really looking forward to seeing him this summer. I think there's going to be a lot of pictures in the newspapers because he is the size of Mount Everest, but he's also an incredibly skillful player who's had to work very hard to probably prove himself above some of the skinnier guys in the the side, if that's a, a way of putting it. 13-2 13-2 on him. He's played two Test matches. He's already taken a 10-wicket haul in Test match cricket. It's probably going to come down in terms of team selection. A, so this is a little bit of a risk here. Um, Raymond Ryfurt and Rakim Cornwall are probably vying for the same spot in the batting lineup and in the bowling attack as the kind of fifth bowler. Ryfurt's a seamer, Rakim Cornwall's the spinner. But as we've said, the Aegeus Bowl, Old Trafford, helps spinners. I think the West Indies would be foolish to go into this series without playing a spinner. And I think Rakim Cornwall will get the nod. 13-2, to two, I think a very good price on him. He's a skilled player. He also can provide a few runs down the uh, order as well. So I'm going to put uh, four of my units on Rakim Cornwall at 13-2 to two, and the other six and Jason Holder at 4-1. to one. How about you, Graham Hardcastle?
0: I, I hear what you say with Rakim Cornwall and I'm going to follow you in with three there. My other seven go on Shannon Gabriel. Quality bowler come into, you know he's had he's had a little bit of success with wickets in in, in both both warm up games he was had he wasn't an original member of the the squad was he, he was one of the kind of plethora of warm uh, of kind of warm up players in a sense that were going to help the squad prepare he seems to be on a little bit of an upward trajectory at the moment with his with his kind of his bowling so I I think he could be a real dangerous weapon for the West Indies in a sense and I, I quite fancy him.
1: So you're going to put seven of your units on Shannon Gabriel at four to yeah. one, and join me with three of your units with the bet on Racking Cornwall at thirteen to two. Let's go on then to the uh, to finish off with, with on the series result. England, as I said, start as hot favourites to win this Test match series. So as short as one, two, three to win the first Test match, which, assuming it stays fine, I can't put you off that, but it's a little bit too skinny for my blood. So we're going to look ahead to the, the series markets and look at the correct scores markets here. We've got 10 units apiece again, Graham, to look ahead to the uh, series correct score. Just to give you the, the headline prices, because obviously there's plenty of permutations here. England 3-0 is around about 13-10. to 10. England 2-0 is around about 3-1. to 1. England 2-1 is 9-2, and you have to go down to as big as... 20 to 1. In fact, some of the bookmakers have got this 50 to 1 for West Indies to win the series 2 1. So you have to, some big prices if you fancy the West Indies to win the series, but England start as hot favourites. A, is that the right thing for England to be hot favourites ahead of this series, Graham? And B, which of those prices are you going to take?
0: Yeah, de- definitely right for England to be hot favourites. Um I, I don't really think there's there's too much doubt about that. I think the West Indies will have periods of success in Test matches. I'm not so sure they will have enough periods of success to win a test. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm gonna i I'm gonna go two nil. Weather puts me off Three nil. We've had we've had some great weather this summer, but we are in a little bit of a period of unsettled stuff at the moment up and down the country. There is a bit of rain around. I'm just going to err on the side of caution a bit and 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 go two nil. And I'm going to go I'm going to go everything on or all, all in on two nil. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm, I'm along the same lines as you, but I actually think 3-0 is a real play in this market at 13-10. to 10. I know what he's saying about the weather, but I think if you if you kind of factored in the weather for every cricket bet you ever did, it would throw you off the scent a little bit at times, because yeah, as, as Jason Gillespie always used to say to us at Yorkshire, you can't do anything about the weather. So I'm taking it out of the equation almost entirely, and I say almost entirely, because I'm going to split mistakes on this one. I'm going to put seven of my units on England 3-0 at 13-10. to 10. So if that comes in, there's a tidy profit. But the other three units will go, just to give myself a little bit of cover, on England 2-0 at 3-1. to 1. Um, So to split my stakes there, the only thing that can scupper it is is if uh, the West Indies do win a test match. And uh, I just don't see that happening myself. I mean, obviously, it's possible. They've got some very good players. But I think if England turn up Anything like in this series, England should uh, be able to dominate it. Just to round off then, Graeme, and thanks for joining me on the Cricket Badger podcast today. It's fantastic to see the West Indies over here. Pakistan are going to follow as well. It's a big thing for them, isn't it? To come across from the Caribbean amidst COVID, they'll have read all the headlines about England being um, swamped by the pandemic. The letters that we put up at the airport and at all the grounds with the big thank you West Indies kind of for coming thing, they need to be... Bright neon and fluorescent, don't they? Because it's it's a big thing, and English English cricket should be very grateful for them for being here.
0: Yeah, they should. Yeah, completely, one hundred percent. You know, I, yes, there is there is the kind of view that, that they're getting paid to come. It's work and things like that. I mean, I I wouldn't completely fancy it, but it'd be different if I was working to to kind of pleasure. You know, I wouldn't go on holiday if if I was if I was a West Indian. I wouldn't come over here on holiday. Equally, same as I wouldn't go on holiday to America at the moment, but. It's a bit different when you're when you kind of working. Um, however, complete respect for them for coming. Um, it, it must have been a difficult decision to, to leave family. It's exactly the same with Pakistan, isn't it, in a few weeks' time. Well, they're here now, aren't they, actually? So um, it, it's exactly the same with Pakistan at the moment. They deserve a heck of a lot of credit too. And I hope it's just, it's just kind of remembered a little bit in future tour negotiations and things like
1: that. Yeah, it needs to be reciprocated, doesn't it? I mean Pakistan's crying out for a big series at home. Now they're starting to play internationals back in the in their own country rather than in the UAE it's not going to be too hard once COVID's disappeared to entice the England players and England supporters back to the Caribbean because it's a fantastic destination but it needs to be on the right terms for the West Indies cricket board as well and hopefully it's reciprocated from England and it's remembered as you say in in future negotiations
0: we'd all love to see England back in Pakistan wouldn't we as well watching a little bit of the PSL the the love for cricket out there is just phenomenal and it would be great to see England tour Pakistan as well at some point whether it's just for a, a T20 series or a short one day Series or whatever, that'd be fantastic.
1: Yeah, you look at the Pakistan faithful. Yeah, you know, everybody bigs up the Indians for being fanatical and and passionate, and they are. But Pakistanis are, are no different, and they'd be you know, really keen, I think, to see an England side tour their nation. So hopefully, that we'll see that further down the line. Will the West Indies then win their first Test series against England in this country since 1988, or will England? wrestle back the wisdom trophy of Jason Holder's boys as the test series gets underway on Wednesday Graham Hardcastle and myself we put up our bets and uh, we'll join you again next week after the test match is finished to look back at that first test match and then look ahead again and make our predictions for the second test match too when by then Graham I'm sure I'll have a healthy lead on you we'll see thank you very much for joining me mate and I'll talk to you soon
0: no problem take care see you soon It's that badger style.
1: Thank you very much indeed for Graham Harcastle for sparing me his time on the Cricket Budget Podcast today as we previewed the England against the West Indies Test Series. It starts on Wednesday. I cannot wait for it to appear on my screens. I've got a little bit of work back as well as a result of it too, which is uh, much needed. After I finished talking to Graham, I remembered that we hadn't actually paid any attention to the markets for the first Test match. So I got back to him and we put up some bets off air. I'm going to put them out now. Just so you can't say to me, James, you didn't mention these last week and suddenly they've all become winners. And that's very convenient. Well, just so that it's on record, I'm going to tell you what Graham and myself discussed post-record. We allocated ourselves 20 units to have a look at any of the markets involved in the first Test match. and Graham invested his 20 units as follows. Zach Crawley, to be England's top first innings run scorer at 4-1, he put 7 units on that. Shea Hope to be the West Indies top first innings run scorer at seven to two, three units. He doubled up. Those two selections with two new units on that at around 22 to 1. And then he chose Jofra Archer to be England's leading first innings wicket taker at 11 to 4. With the remaining eight units. So that's Graham's 20 units invested. I just went with two bets. 10 units apiece. Rory Burns to be England's top first innings run scorer in the first Test match at 100 to 30. Often gets off to a good start in series. And I've gone with Jofra Archer at 15 to 2. With the other 10 to be the player of the match. So that's our 20 units apiece on the first test match. Thanks to tvsportsblog.com for their support of the Cricket Badger podcast. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. And thank you very much for joining me. Enjoy the test match. Hopefully some of our bets come in. Gamble responsibly if you do follow us with any of the tips that we've put up. It's just a bit of fun. But hopefully we've steered you in the right direction if sticking a couple of quid on the test match is your thing. Thanks very much for joining me. I've been James and I'll see you next time when I bring you the next edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. Cheers all.